In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our gospel text for today as we observe the baptism of our Lord is St. John's account of the events surrounding the baptism of our Lord. It is important to note that John's account that we heard read is not historically the baptism of our Lord, but rather John's retelling of it some days later. And so it is that our Lutheran fathers in the faith had a practice, at least some of them, of on this observance of the baptism of our Lord, they read not only St. John's account of these events surrounding the baptism of our Lord, but they also read St. Matthew's account of the actual historical event of our Lord's baptism. Because as is the case with so much of St. John's gospel, his theological interpretation of things is dependent upon our knowledge of the historical events themselves as told by the synoptic gospel writers, St. Matthew, St. Mark, and St. Luke. And so in Matthew chapter 13, or rather chapter 3, beginning in verse 13, we read of our Lord's baptism. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. It is with this context in mind that St. John tells us of these events surrounding the baptism of our Lord. And for the remainder of our time, I would like to zero in our focus, in particular, on verse 33 of our gospel text, where St. John the Evangelist records the words of St. John the Baptizer. I did not know him, that is, Jesus, But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So how is it that this one, this man, Jesus of Nazareth, baptizes with the Holy Spirit? What does it mean for him to baptize with the Holy Spirit? How do we know that this one and no other is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit? Well, that last question is answered fairly easily by the verse that we just read, verse 33. John the baptizer says, I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water, that is God the Father, said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And so it is that we heard from St. Matthew's Gospel that 
John the baptizer did indeed behold the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove descending upon our Lord. Now this idea of the Holy Spirit descending upon someone is not a foreign concept to the scriptures. Much of the Old Testament records these type of events. A few that come to mind where the Holy Spirit comes upon a person or a group of people. Oddly, the first one that popped into my mind is from Numbers chapter 11, where the 70 elders of Israel are gathered by Moses outside of the camp because the Lord is going to send his spirit upon them so that they might prophesy. The Lord does this, but of course, somewhat comically, Eldad and Medad, two of the elders, were still in the camp. For whatever reason, they didn't bother to come out with the rest of the elders. And yet the Spirit still comes upon them in this special outpouring, and they begin to prophesy as well. Or then earlier in the books of Moses, from Exodus 35, there is Bezalel, the son of Uri. Bezalel is a man that the Lord tells Moses, has been appointed by him. He's been given the Spirit of God so that he might be the chief craftsman in putting together the tabernacle and its accoutrements. There's even an interesting account in Genesis chapter 41 where Joseph, the patriarch, is said to have the Holy Spirit. But interestingly, it's not a believer who says this, it's Pharaoh. You, you recall the story. Joseph has just interpreted Pharaoh's dream. He has foretold that there will be seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. And so Joseph says to Pharaoh, let Pharaoh appoint a wise man who can oversee the affairs of Egypt, collecting and gathering extra grain and food now in this time of plenty so that there will be enough for the people in the time of famine. And Pharaoh, having a special insight of some kind, he sees Joseph and he says, who is there among us who is as wise as this man and who has the spirit of God? Joseph has received this special outpouring of the spirit in wisdom so that he can help preserve the known world through this time of famine. And so the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit descending upon men for a specific purpose is not foreign in the Old Testament scriptures. There are a number of others that, for sake of time, we won't mention. But it is not unique or special, particularly. It's not a unique part of the Messiah's work, that the Spirit would come upon him as differing from others before him. What is unique about the Messiah, what is unique according to the revelation that the Lord gave to John the baptizer, is the one upon whom the Spirit both descends and remains. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. For those fathers in the faith, Joseph, Bezalel, the elders of Israel, they received the Holy Spirit, but not in an enduring way. It was in a temporary way. But this one, this Jesus of Nazareth, upon whom the Spirit descended, the Spirit also remained upon him, and therefore it is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. 
How is it possible? Or how is it that God the Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus of Nazareth in a way that endures and abides and not us, not the average person? The Spirit comes to us, as we will see, but in a way that's dependent upon Jesus. What makes Jesus special? In a word, sin, or lack thereof in our Lord's case. Sin is what prevents the Spirit of God from abiding in man. Sin is what separated Adam and Eve from the presence of the Lord in the Garden of Eden, and sin is what prevents the Holy Spirit from dwelling in the hearts of men. That is, until Jesus of Nazareth came along. Because Jesus of Nazareth, the man, is and was a man without sin. It was necessary for a man without sin to be the one to receive the Holy Spirit because only one without sin can be the temple of the Holy Spirit. And interestingly, John the baptizer, at least to some degree, recognizes this. This is the source of his objection to our Lord coming to him to be baptized. Baptism is for sinners. Baptism is all about the remission of sins. I need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me? This doesn't make sense. I'm the sinner, not you, Jesus. Baptism is for sinners. Such is St. John the Baptizer's logic. And yet the power of John's baptism, and indeed the power of Christian baptism, because they are one in the same, the power of Baptism comes from this moment of our Lord Jesus' baptism. Jesus must be baptized by John, not because he is filled with sin and needs remission of that sin. Jesus must be baptized by John. He must undergo the same baptism as you in order to give Christian baptism its power. Without baptism... The righteousness of Christ could not be imputed to you without Christ's baptism. This is why our Lord responds to John's objection by saying, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. All righteousness cannot be fulfilled and completed apart from Christ Jesus our Lord, the man undergoing baptism. Because in his baptism, he becomes the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Just as the scapegoat on the Day of Atonement could not carry the sin of Israel away from the camp, outside of the city, into the wilderness, without first having the sins of the people laid upon it, so too is it with our Lord. He must have the sins of mankind laid upon him so that he can be our scapegoat, our lamb, who bears our sins to the cross. Without baptism, Christ would have no sin to take to the cross. And so it is that our Lord Jesus 
took his place in baptism as our lamb. In that blessed exchange, he takes your sin upon himself, and in exchange, he gives you his righteousness. Baptism in and of itself is not our salvation. Salvation happened at the cross, but baptism is where that salvation comes to us and is applied to us. And so this, my friends, is how Christ is able to be the one who bestows the Holy Spirit. This is how he becomes the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. He entered into our human form. And though he was sinless in himself, he took our sin upon himself. He became the Lamb of God to bear our sins outside of the camp, outside of the city, onto the cross, where he would atone for your sins, removing them as far as the east is from the west. And so now Christ, our Lord, invites all men to join him in these blessed waters, or more accurately, he invites all men to be joined to him in these blessed waters so that he becomes for you the lamb who bears away your sin. So that you may receive that same spirit who descended and remained upon him in the waters of the river Jordan. Now too have you received this same spirit in a way that is meant to abide unto eternity not in a way that is fleeting. It's not like those Old Testament fathers before us who received the Spirit for a time. You have received the Spirit in a way that abides because Christ has received the Spirit in a way that abides and has given it to you. And so it is that the Lord God's words of our Lord Jesus, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, those words through baptism, are now applied to you. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. Though you may be tempted to disbelieve this truth, though you may lie awake late at night recalling all of your sins, coming to the conclusion that you are too great of a sinner, the forgiveness of the Lord cannot be for you. Though you may be tempted to disbelieve, Christ is your lamb. He has taken away your sin. You have been joined to him in those waters. You have been cleansed from sin. For it is he who baptized you. It is he who bestowed the Holy Spirit upon you, not a man. Christ did this for you. He who believes and is baptized thus shall be saved indeed. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.